You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Okay, well tonight we're going to talk about, um, we've been doing the whole parable study, and we've been on this for a long time. It's great material. Uh, I want to continue on it. I want us to dig in a little bit and think about it. And so uh, I want to recap a little bit what Todd talked about, and then I want to focus in. This particular Sunday uh, is going to be a very short uh, communion lesson and sermon. It's going to be all pinched together. So I thought I would just expand on uh, kind of a little bit what we're going to talk about tonight. So you're getting a little bit of your Sunday sermon on a midweek, which is going to hopefully help us spiritually. Amen. Um, you know, when you talk about the parable of the soils, there's two sides to it. The first side is, it's actually called the parable of the sower. If you look in your Bible, in the, in the heading. Because maybe the intention of it being the parable of the sower is, is told from the standpoint of uh, somebody who's proactively sowing seed and to keep their faith up because they're going to experience many people who don't respond well or some respond short term or, or some get choked out or then there is the fourth soil that responds well, right? And so from the perspective of the sower, it's a faith building thing it's, and it's an encouragement to keep sowing seed, to keep spreading the word. All right, amen? amen. Uh, I think when I preach this lesson, or when we talk about this with the primarily disciples in the room, I think it's helpful for us to look at it as the parable of the soils and really look at our own heart and go, okay, where are we at lately? And I thought Todd did a great job of sharing how, how he cycles through by 8 a.m. He's gone through all four types of soils. And he, and, you know, he, he starts off on the good one and he cycles back to the hard one. By, yeah, I thought that was hilarious how he shared that. And uh, he was very real about it. Um, I have a, a story of something that um, that softened my heart to in the in the concept of of preaching. That got me thinking differently about how to view myself. And and, it, and stories are the thing that open our heart. In 2000, I was invited to speak at uh, the Toronto Campus Conference, and this was a uh, um, you know, huge things like several thousand colleges as our international campus thing. And I was a new campus minister uh, in the Inland Empire, leading the campus out there. And the, the church at that time, we were this advancing army. And, and the preachers would get very prideful because it was like, who could be the best? And if you preach, you wanted to hit a grand slam. You know, it was it was the days of our church where there was a lot more arrogance and, and there was hierarchy more in our churches. And I think as preachers, you could get caught up in that too easily. You know, how good did you do? You know, and I got a chance to preach to the whole congregation or all the whole entire conference with another brother from, um, I think he was from Atlanta. And we were tag teaming the main lesson. And I was like, oh, this is my shot. I'm going to show them how amazing I am. And, and I'll be honest, I worked so hard on the lesson. I mean, I prepared for just weeks and weeks and thought through it and got advice. And I had prepared all these things that I was going to preach about. And I, and I had it narrowed down my time just right. But I was so consumed with how I would look. I was so consumed with, would I do an amazing job? And everybody think, you're, you're awesome, Steve. Your future's set now for God and His kingdom, you know? And I got up there, and it was one of those things where I just, I, I tried so hard, but I was so concerned about what people thought, it kind of fell flat. And I remember Carrie, you know, she looked at me, and she could kind of tell how I felt, and she was very encouraging, but, but she, you know, Sometimes you, you know, certainly you guys have led Bible talks, some, many of you have led them, when you just, you know, you feel like you hit a home run. 
And other times you're like, you know, that wasn't my best. And I walked off and I thought, that just wasn't my best. And I was bummed about it. And I remember afterwards um, coming down and then, then the, the, after the class or after the big session, there was class sessions. And I was so self-consumed that I, I, I couldn't even sit in the class. I almost passed out sitting in the class thinking about, oh, I did so terrible. I was so self-consumed. And then later that day, somebody walked up to me and quoted a scripture about how where there is uh, disorder and, 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 uh, and arrogance you, you find, or where you find selfish ambition, you find disorder. And I thought, oh man, I'm so self-focused. And it just humbled me. And I remember that experience was something that sort of humbled the soil of my heart about, why do I do what I do? I don't do it for, for people who stroke me on the back. I'm here for Jesus. And it helped me a lot. I mean, that experience, you know, when we go through humbling things or we don't do the best we could have done or, or we hit a wall, that's how we grow. And that, that's part of how our soil gets tilled in the right way. And Todd talked about the four types of soil. So let's, I want to read today uh, from the Matthew version of this passage. So let's turn, I know he has Mark 4, but I would like us to turn to Matthew 13, okay? And I did get his, his uh, PowerPoint, and I thought I got that up there to remind us of some of it. But then I, w- I want us to read the Matthew 13 version of the parable of the sower. And then I want to kind of land on the second seed is where we're going to hit. I'm going to hit a little bit of the first, but then I want to land today uh, on the second. And then what we're going to do is we're going to have um, Rick Meckhamson is going to preach uh, about the third soil. All right. And that'll be in, um, oh, I think a couple of weeks he'll be preaching on the third soil. And then we're going to have Ken, he'll preach on the first, fourth soil at one of our evening services. So we're going to kind of fixate on the, the four different types of the soil. And I want to hit the first and second and kind of, you know, get a little deeper into those today. So Matthew chapter 13, we find the parable of the sower. This is the longer version of it. Uh, it's a little bit more in there. And uh, let's go ahead and pick up in verse 3. It says, Then he told them many things in parables, saying... You guys with me? Yeah. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow but when the sun came up the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then we know, we talk about how he tells the parables to test the heart, which is the next passage. And Todd talked about that, how he tells the stories because he's trying to reach our heart. He's interested, not in making us be great Christians, but appealing to our better natures. Uh, the Spirit of God is one where he wants to appeal to a spiritual heart. And unfortunately, when we have hard hearts, we simply don't get it. We don't understand it. You know, we're the ones with ears that do not hear and eyes that do not see. But I want to skip down through that portion and let's go ahead and read his interpretation of the passage. And then we'll land on a few basics there. So skip, skip on down to um, where he interprets the passage in verse, uh, I believe that's 18 or 16, or I can't tell because my can't really see it. Let me get my glasses. It's 18. Okay, great. Okay, so I have the word. I can read the words, but not the little sub note there. Yeah, I, I don't need it. I can see the words. It says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. 
When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Now, this is the hard heart, right? This is the first of the soils. And I want to talk about this for a second. When and how do we get to a place where we don't understand the word? Right? When and how do we get to a place where we don't, we don't receive it or we don't, you know, you're, you're sitting at church, but it's not getting in at all, right? And, and of course, this is the idea of the path, okay? So let me ask you something. How do we, how can we, or in what ways, and this is going to be an open-ended thing for you guys to answer, how do we end up getting hard-hearted? What creates a hardness of heart? What kind of things in our life, and why does that occur? What do you think, Robin? Okay, not, not dealing with sin. Not dealing with sin. Richard. Okay, stress. Okay, stress and being frantic, right? Or you get focused on the... Okay, that can harden us a little bit. What else? Offense. Being offended? Being offended, right. If somebody offends you, is that what you said? Ellie, yeah? Okay, yeah, and that, that hardens you, right? Okay. Damien. Disappointment. Disappointment. Yeah, yeah. Um, a hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? The Proverbs teach that disappointments or heartache can harden us, uh, especially traumatic things. I met with a guy in the Inland Empire uh, just this week that actually has terminal cancer. And, he, and I'd known him for a number of years, and he hadn't been any, very open to God. But uh, as soon as I got with him, he shared uh, some of the most personal things that ever happened in his entire life that had hardened his heart, that he'd been... Uh, had some abuse in his life, and he'd never told it people. He did, it had hardened him to God. And then, of course, this, this tragedy in his life is, is beginning to open his mind up, right? And so that brings me to the second... And there's a, So sins, think about, of course, calluses on your hand. How do they happen? If you're a hard worker outside, you're, you know, whatever you're working out, you get calluses when you damage the skin, it begins to get tougher so it won't be damaged next time. So an offense or damage or sin against us, damage against our life, and sins that we commit that damage us spiritually. So how do we get spiritually hard? I think what Robin shared, when we continue to sin and we don't, we don't get the grace of God, we don't talk about it, we don't get real, we don't get open, uh, we can get, start get hard-hearted. A repetitive sin that we don't deal with, that we don't work on, that we don't open up about, just like, just like our skin cells are designed to toughen up around areas of damage, so spiritual areas that we damage we'll begin to sort of get a, a, a hard-hearted distance from wanting to face the reality of it, and it can hurt us spiritually, right? right? Also, if we're damaged emotionally or something that we attribute to God, why did God allow this? And our thinking, we can begin to create walls. So how do we break through? How does a hardened path get opened up to receive the seed. How, how do we open our hearts? If our hearts are getting hard, how do we how do we get through that? What has to happen? What you get open? Okay. A hard a hard heart. Openness can help. Okay. What are some other things that open us up? What can open up a hard heart? Okay, the scriptures. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to say two things open our hearts. If you think about a path, if you get a huge rototiller. <laughs> Or you get a big, you know, big pickaxe and you start hitting that, that dirt. And that's kind of like my friend in the Empire. Uh, God allowed something to shake him, right? To hit the dirt, to hit the hardness. And he's like, oh, 
Oh my gosh, he's facing death. The second thing is watering the land will open the heart, which is the word of God. And the word of God, little by little, can soften the heart. Now, sadly, sometimes when we're hard, we just we don't let it end. We don't we don't let it seep into our heart to soften us. But I think as a church, you know, we've got to constantly be about making sure our hearts are soft and be aware that people are going through uh, many difficulties that harden them. They're afraid. They're hurt. They're cynical. Uh, they want to join in with the crowd. And hardness of heart goes on right in the congregation. And like Todd shared, you could cycle through it yourself. The hope is that. Uh, our hearts can stay soft, and God is interested in our hearts being ready to receive the seed. The second seed, I want to read that. Let's go down and look at the verse as he explains it. All right, so skip on down to um, the next verse, verse 30 or 20. 20. It says, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is the seed on, on, on shallow soil. This is the one where uh, you, you, you get excited about stuff quickly, but it doesn't root deeply in your life. right? And, and here's the thing. Uh, this is something we have to be careful of. Now, I want to say, the group sitting in this room, in general, I don't see you guys as shallow soil. In general, I don't, because you, you, you've shown up for midweeks, okay? There's a conviction in there. There's like, I want to hear the Word of God. And I know this group, we've got, you know, most of us are 20, some of us, my spiritual birthday, 29 years, just passed yesterday, 29, right? And I know a lot of you, how many of you, anyone, who's over 29? Some of you are, okay, wow, that's okay, so... I wouldn't say this group is filled with, with shallow soil, but I do think um, we, too, we can ebb and flow a little bit between what it means to be deep, uh, hard, shallow, or rich soil that's fruitful. We've got to be careful of it. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, a mature faith. And this group has weathered some storms. Uh, as you guys, re- if you were here uh, two weeks ago when we did the timeline on the wall, that was awesome, and it showed us a lot of things, right? You saw how the membership, if you remember, was spread out. Like people joined uh, every three-year period. There was a good number of people that joined the church. So it's spread out. We're not all from 30 years ago, but we had some from 30 years ago. We're not all from this, the last three years, but we have some from the last three years. It's, it's a mat- we are a mature church. And you guys remember, I really uh, I, I want to put together the, the, uh, the whole synopsis. I'm writing a big paper on it. And I'll make that available to the church if you'd like to read it. But I think there's a lot of lessons that we learned about how this church has weathered some storms. But also how at every stage of life, um, there's going to be good times and there's going to be bad times. Uh, Difficulty and trials happen at all times in life. But also God intends to bring good things at all times in life. And then we had that sort of crisis on the west side. Uh, There was a crisis without question. You saw it, you know, nine, about, started about nine years ago, and you just saw all the intensity of feelings, both the blue, the blue note, notes were up there, and some orange ones. And then it has a sort of, it kind of came out, and, and the, the, kind of the, the tagline became, you know, everything's going to orange, right? We're going to orange. Because we're, now we'll always have blue, but there was some trials. And we need trials to get deep and to create roots and to be strong. And I, you guys are here because you've weathered some. 
I think as we train people, it's really important that we train that there's going to be difficulties. And I'm hoping for maybe a 10-year run of not as many on the west side. But then there'll be some more. There's going to be difficulties. I want to read a verse to you from Acts 14, verse 22. And it says, There they strengthened the souls of the disciples and encouraged them to continue in the faith, saying, and this is Paul saying, It is through many persecutions that we must enter the kingdom of God. That's the New Revised Standard Version. It is through many persecutions or many trials or many difficulties that we enter the kingdom of God. That depth comes from perseverance, from hanging in there, from getting through tough times. This church has gone through some tough times. And there's a strength in us because of that. And I don't see us as shallow soil because you're still sitting in this room. Amen? I see you as deep. And I think it's important for us to continue to get deeper because as we grow deeper and then wider, right, there's a depth and a, and a, and a width that we want to develop, we will get stronger. Um, I like this little, look at this little video. I like how the roots, they not only go down, but look how they spread out. For something to grow, the roots create a network of interconnectedness. And of course, the more, the more little trees there would be right next to each other, the roots again would intertwine. So it's the community, it's the struggle together as a community that makes us rich and deep and strong. And I, I see that foundation right here in our congregation. All right, There's a depth within you guys. And I believe that God's preparing the church to, to sprout in a tremendous way. All right, Our goal as a church is to become the West region again. Yeah. What will that mean? Practically, we're already financially independent from, you know, we, we run our own church essentially. But it's more of an inspiration, I think, for the greater L.A. church. And for those of you that were here when it was the West region, I think it's going to be an inspiration for us to say, hey, we're, we're a region. I, you know, Carrie and I, I still get to sit on the, the ministry leadership council for the L.A. church, and, and I, I had been doing that for the IE, and they agreed when I came here that I would continue to do that. And we're, our goal is in 2020 that we will, we will call it the West region. We're going to have, our goal, and we've been praying about this, is to launch this uh, as a big victory for the whole coastal that there's sort of a church, it's almost like a church plant is the, is the way we want it to think. And you guys are, the people sitting in this room, you guys are the core. You're the root system. And I believe God's intention is to take us to new heights. Uh, there's some dreams and some hopes and God's, God's got some stuff in store uh, that I think is going to mean uh, a change for all of us. One of the things that I was deeply impacted by, if you had a chance to be at um, the training from the Salims from Jakarta. How many of us got a chance to hear the training from the Harlem Salim? Okay, some of our family group. We're going to put that online. I'd like, as many as you would like to, please check this out. The Ch- Jakarta church has doubled in size over the past 15 years. Uh, and the, all the Jakarta region, uh, Indonesian region. And it's gone from about 3,000 disciples to 6,000 disciples uh, in that region, geographic region of the world. It's the only of our fellowship of churches that's done that, that's doubled in size, a group of about 3,000 going to 6,000. And there's a lot of lessons there. The primary lesson, and we'll be talking more about this, is how they built it through their small groups. That, that all of us know that was, I, I, first thing I ever went to was a Bible talk with Willie Flores. The first thing I ever went to. Willie Flores leading a Bible talk in the South. 
downright in Manhattan Beach, and that's the first thing I ever went to. I went to two Bible talks before I even went to church. And the church was awesome. It was cool. It was at the Wiltern Theater. I thought that was really cool. It was exciting. People driving in. But the bottom line was, it was the relationships in the small groups. It was the connection to disciples. And the staff's vision and the eldership's vision is that our small groups are going to be awesome. Some of our small groups are already awesome. But I think all of us, including me, can unlearn some things and learn to think a little differently about a a number of things. And I think God is doing that across our movement. The way we look at love and commitment and connection and really taking care of each other, I I think we can grow. And I believe we can have small groups that love being together, that are extremely attractive to the community and to the people in your neighborhood, and that it's not going to be hard for you to show up for it. Uh, And I'll admit, sometimes it's just flat out, just showing up is hard. And I think Satan weaves a web of of the third soil, which is the distractions of life, and that'll be another lesson, that make it tough on us to have effective small groups. But I want you to have an understanding that I believe in this group that's sitting in this room, that you are that, that root system spreading out, and that where I'm going is I want our small groups, and it could take us years. I'm not, it's not going to change in three months. And most of us know how to run a great small group, but it's hard to build a small group that gets deeply connected, not problem-focused, and multiplies and births another small group. It doesn't happen as much as it used to. It used to happen when your campus group, you know, groups back in the day when our church was, you know, we're all in and we're growing like crazy. We saw that more. They saw that happen the last 10 years in the Indonesian churches. And there's a lot of reasons for it. It's not always apples to apples culturally. So I'm not saying we're going to imitate everything exactly. All right. But I do believe that the key to God using your life and using the Westside Church is our small groups will become awesome groups that multiply and birth new small groups. And, and here's the thing. We're, our goal as a staff is to really train, equip, and for one, lead our own groups, but then be willing to get involved in helping you guys make your groups awesome. So this is a process. I know it's not happening overnight. We're going to get there. I just want you to see that it's the root system that stands in this room right now that's going to be the, the future. And I do believe that the West, the West will, will see some incredible victories in the future. Amen? Now, I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Turn to Hebrews 5. Because this idea of, of getting deep uh, really has to do with maturity. And this is the verse uh, that talks about maturity. And, and I have kind of my two points up there. How do you get deep roots? What does it take? And in Hebrews chapter 5, we see a passage there that talks about um, what it really looks like to be mature. And it gives a few practicals. And I want you guys in this room right here, to evaluate your level of maturity. Where are you at with maturity? How, you're here through perseverance, but are you really deeply rooted? All right. And so Hebrews chapter 5, and I want to begin reading there in verse uh, 11. All right. Hebrews chapter 5, let's go down to verse 11. And uh, it talks about the elementary teachings there. All right. It says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. What version am I reading here? And that's NIV. Good. Okay. Verse 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. 
Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So he's talking about maturity and he says through constant use that, that although oftentimes people as Christians, they're, they're not equipped any longer to teach anybody. And what he's saying is you ought to be able to teach other people, right? Hebrews 5 is saying if you're a 20 year old Christian, 25, you should be able to impart some truth. And I want to call on you guys in this room, the married group, the 25-year-old Christians, that many of you do teach. We have some of you preaching, doing incredible stuff. It was great to hear Mark up there. Thank you, Mark, for doing that. And I believe there's lots of, of you in here who can teach. And I want, to, I want to say, it doesn't have to be the same people every week. We, we want to hear from some of you. Uh, John is always eager to set these incredible services up and a good communion or a good lesson or a sharing or if you have some stuff you would like at some point to teach uh, uh, throughout the year that you think will strengthen us, come talk to me. Uh, we want to create teaching opportunities. But here's the thing. We absolutely should also be able to teach the elementary teachings of what it means to really be a disciple, what real faith in Jesus looks like, right? What it really means to be right with God from a mature perspective, all right? And it's important for us to go past the infantile viewpoint of, you know, the only people saved are in our church. All right? We do not believe that the only people saved are in the ICOC churches. All right? However, we do believe that the ICOC churches, our fellowship, which is 700 churches around the world, have something special to offer the greater kingdom of God. Right? We're not the only people, but you know, let me tell you something. We're, we have something special to offer when we're living it out the way God called us to live it out. We all were moved by what it meant to be a real disciple, to, to be humble to another person influencing us and changing us. We were all inspired and moved by this vision that God's going to do something big. And his dreams have never stopped, right? His dreams of Bible talks in every community of the West Side, his dreams of really, quite honestly, the wealth in general on the West Side being used as a resource for the world have never stopped. And I believe that we got to reignite our vision for, yes, our dreams to change the Middle East, because that's one of our mission fields. Our dreams to change uh, Mexico and Central America, that's one of our mission fields. And it looks like uh, we're having a big discussion on even having the uh, Baltic Nordic states be part of our mission field as a church. And I know some of us already are part of that. And I, what do you guys think of that idea? I mean, I think it's a cool idea that we, as a congregation, have an influence on these different parts of the world. God's dreaming. And I want you guys to keep dreaming about how God's going to do incredible things. That comes from you having a depth within you where you can teach. All right? And we gotta, and we gotta have a conviction that, you know, the foundational stuff really hasn't changed. There's old treasures that have not changed. There's old treasures. The stuff that works has not changed. But there's some new treasures. We have, in, we have kind of trended a little bit towards a legalistic mindset over the, maybe the past, uh, you know, early days. I don't think we're that legalistic anymore. All right? There's two sides to, to maturity. Truth and grace. You've got to have both. I do think that we, you know, 25-year-old Christians in our movement had such a heavy dose of, of sort of works-oriented, success makes you satisfied, and American individualistic, capitalistic accomplishment is how you get your self-esteem. We can use large doses of grace teaching. And we're going to have more of that. All right? We need it. You need truth and grace to be healthy. All right? 
truth and grace. So we're going to teach both. You can't. You also can't just have. You know, you can't just have grace. Uh, that alone will lead to a messed up church, and, and we've seen that. You got to have your boundaries and your standards. Amen. I want to call on this group to be teaching the foundational stuff. And, and here's the thing: I realize it's a major sacrifice to set time in your schedule to study with a non-Christian. It's hard. I, I know I'm full time. This is what we do full time. I know when I look through my week and all the appointments and all the meetings and all the things, I'm like, wow. I, you know, I'm in Bible studies, but it's it's always challenging. Now, when you get to the Bible study and it, you, you know, it takes you your time during the traffic hour to get there, you always love being there. You love the experience of unveiling your life to somebody and sharing with them and hearing what they're learning and connecting. This group can do that. I want to call on us. The marriage do not need to be the slowest moving group in the church, right? We can, it doesn't, I want us to be deep, thorough. It might take a while to bring somebody. One of the concepts I want to put before you is this. I want people to feel like they belong, maybe even for, before they fully believe everything we teach. I want you to think about it. Our old model used to be, you got to believe before you belong. But I want to put before us, how about loving people so unconditionally, committed to them, they feel like they belong before they even comprehend everything we teach. And you know, when people feel that kind of love and connection and tied into the church and they feel like, wow, this is awesome, what ends up happening is the beliefs settle in, the soil of their heart, the beliefs start making more sense because they feel so much trust. And I think that's, that's an avenue we've got to work on. It's not going to be easy. Uh, the holidays, I want to appeal to you guys. Use the holidays to love some people, to love your neighbors and love your family and pull people in to see your lives, all right? Of course, our potlucks are an awesome opportunity for that. Let's bring people to that. Our Harvest Festival. Guys, let's give it up for Troy and Deanna, all the work they do. I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. It's awesome. We have a list of 38 roles in the church uh, that we came up with that we want to get. Most of them, half of them are already fulfilled. But there's a lot of other roles we can all have. And most of you already do tons of stuff. But we want everyone to feel like worshiping together, we have a role to play. Amen? Amen. We don't, I don't want our lives to feel overwhelmed. I want our lives to feel sort of led along the, the way of God. But you know, here's the thing. It is hard work being a Christian. Yeah. Our depth comes from some tough hard work. Our depth, depth comes from teaching the truth. But our depth also comes from persevering. We're going to need to persevere to be deep and not shallow. And I do want to commend this group. In general, this group is a deep group. God's got something prepared. I hope you're dreaming, all right? I have a lot more to share. For time's sake, I want to end here with a prayer. But uh, let's, let's let God's Word move our hearts, and let's get ready for an awesome weekend, and let's get ready for the dreams, and, and, and let's stay connected in here and strong spiritually. If you need some help, get the help from the other people in this room. Everyone's got the junk in there that can harden you. We want to soften that up, because God's getting ready to do some great stuff on the west side. Let's close out with a prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time. We love you. We want to have um, the heart of the receptive soil that, that uh, perseveres and produces crops that multiply. We want to see you uh, honored uh, across our city, um, across the southwest United States. And Father, I want to see you honored across the globe. We're so grateful for uh, our opportunity to influence these different areas of the world. And Father, but we want to see our own personal families make it to Jesus. Uh, we want to see our, our neighbors make it to Jesus. Father, we want to see some of our co-workers make it. Uh, God, give us some victories and miracles. We, we're ready for some good times. We want to go to Orange as a West Side church and see lots of good times. We accept the hard times. 
Father, please be with Pam uh, as she's mourning the loss uh, of her husband, Al. Father, I know uh, we also heard that Al's brother just passed away. Uh, just so terrible for that family. Please be with their entire family in the many tragedies. We know in the middle of victory is difficulty and tragedy, but you are good through it all. Yes. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.